Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Everything set up here like I like it, and then we're going to start teaching and share and just minister to some people tonight, too. And we'll just see where the Lord takes us. You know, I'm just open to Him. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we know besides angels. Just thought I'd tell you that. I know a few other things. I've been in the ministry 45 years this year. Come August, which is not too far off, really. I'll be in my 46th year of full-time ministry, so we learned a lot of things in all that time. I'm a good student of humanity, which is people, if you don't know what that is. And I'm a good, uh, I'm a good child to him, I try to be, and some other things. So let's go to Exodus first of all, Exodus uh, 20, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 15 and uh, verse 26. We're gonna read that in just a minute. I got some more good things to share with you. That's, you know, people sent me and things like that. Deke happened over many different periods of years. Could have happened last week, could have happened 10 years ago. But in a way, I'm excited about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, this is from a lady named Susan, and she lives in Illinois. Said in late September 2016, Dr. Jacobs was a guest speaker at our church. During the Saturday evening service, he had a word of knowledge with the following words. There's someone here with your heart I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know if it's an irregular heartbeat or if it's something that you get panicked with, but it's an irritation and a bothersome to you. When I heard those words, there was no doubt in my mind that I was that individual. Just three months before this word, I was speaking with the Lord about heart-related symptoms that I'd been having for several years. I had a history of panic attacks and anxiety. I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack, but you'd swear you're having a heart attack. So I had one one time. I prayed in tongues for four hours and didn't get any better. So I had Dale take me to the emergency room. They said, you didn't have a heart attack. You had an anxiety attack. I don't have those anymore. Amen. But, you know, I've been to, I've been to a couple of uh, uh, hay rides and a, and a weenie roast. I think I was the weenie they were roasting, too. <laughs> I mean, there's the church people I'm talking about, not the world. Anyway, she said... Uh, I had a history of panic attacks and anxiety. It could really flip you out if you don't know what's happening. There seemed to be something else going on which I would be alarmed about. I had quite, I quit exercising and even traveling by myself because I never knew when my heart rate would speed up or why, and to me it was a little like a short circuit. I would pleaded my case with the Lord saying, I don't know what is going on, but it's irritable and bothersome. I don't know if it's mental, physical, spiritual, all three, but I have to have help. Well, back at the meeting, I went to the front, and Dr. Jacob said, is that you? And he laid hands on me, and I fell out. And Dr. That's Me continued saying, there's an angel working on you, lady, and explained that he had a lady in his church who received a new heart. I told you about her this morning if you were here. Amen. If you were listening. Yes. Okay. Because these are real people, not something I read about in somebody else's book. Amen. These are people I was personally with when things happened in their life. Amen. Now, I'm not bragging about that, but, you know, I don't talk about things I don't know about. I just don't do stuff like that. It's not smart. Uh, during this ministry line, she says to me, I felt nothing. I saw nothing. The next day, it was obvious that I was completely free. In the months that followed, I would get anxious, and there would be no symptoms. 
That's something different, isn't it? I don't have this with me. I'll tell you of a young girl who had something very unusual happen to her just recently in England. This lady back this lady, any increase in heart rate was normal as a result of activity. I've been traveling to my visit, my family, enjoying my life again. I feel like a different person. I'm so thankful to God and to Dr. Jacobs for his ministry in the area of healing. And she said, I give God all the glory. That's interesting. I just like to read these, you know. We, I, I could have a whole meeting and do a whole week and just read stuff like that to you. And that may pertain to you in some area or not. I don't know. Remember I told you about the lady in Lima, Peru that was from Canada? That sounds complicated, but it wasn't. And she got healed nonetheless because she said, I heard you tell about a lady in Indiana that got healed of scoliosis. They didn't say get healed of tonsils, got healed of scoliosis. Okay. Here's a guy who wrote me. I remember meeting him. He was unusual in the sense that he had a, let me read it to you. It's harder, better to read. Dr. Jacobs visited World Harvest Church a couple months ago. That's in Paducah, I think. I received a healing and I wasn't even prayed for. I had three plates removed from my spine five years ago and replaced with titanium, titanium and cadaver bones. That's somebody that's dead. They use their bones to help this other guy that's alive. Throughout this, I received nerve damage and lost the feeling in my left index finger. The finger just felt weird due to the nerve damage. During Dr. Jacobs' visit, he laid hands on several in attendance. That was up front. I didn't, uh, I didn't even think anything about my finger, to be honest with you, but that night when I went home, I noticed I could feel my finger again. The tingling, numb feeling was gone, and I could feel things with my finger again. Just in the presence of God, working through Dr. Jacobs in the building that night, healed the nerve damage in my finger without even be asking him to. He said, wow, praise God. <laughs> I got a few more, just hang on to it. We'll hit, hit your number in a minute, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, you can make up a number. All right, here, let's see here. Exodus 15, verse 26. I'd like to look at this with you. And this is about Moses and them crossing into, you know, the promised land, different things in their journeys. And verse 26, and he said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Let me say something here. Notice, and we'll do that which is right in his sight and we'll give ear to his commandments or we would say in the new covenant to his words then keep all his statutes I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee and now that's a great scripture to receive Jesus as your healer but they did a poor job interpreting this because I studied it uh, out of several other Bibles and the Hebrew back in this passage and so what these verbs are telling us when he says I will put none of these I will allow none of these diseases to come on you He's not the God that puts a disease on you. If he was, I wouldn't serve him another minute. Yeah, I don't know about you. Yeah, amen. I would want to go to heaven if there's sickness up there. Yeah. You just think through with me a little bit. It'll break on you one of these days and you know the rest of your relatives are crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they make fun of you because you go to a church and believe something. Yeah. 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 All right. I've been to all the Thanksgivings I want to go to with people like that. <laughs> so don't invite me if you have weird relatives, okay? <laughs> So this really reads this way from the Hebrew. I'm trying to get something over. First of all, notice he put hearing his voice first. I think everybody thinks you have to have a word from God. Now God could speak a word to you that's based on the word, but it's not verbatim a perfect scripture. But he could tell you what to do in a given situation. He don't care what kind of refrigerator color you pick. He don't even care what you drive. 
He'd just like you to have some wheels if you want to go someplace to go. Because he meets all of our needs. Wouldn't matter to him if you spent twenty thousand for or five million for a car. He wouldn't care. He 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 rides on an angel that flies at the speed of light. Why would he be jealous of us? All right, just throwing that out there. So in the verbs, though, in this in this one uh, verse here, the verbs are in the permissive sense that God allowed it because He couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't in the causative tense. You understand what I'm saying? It's some things God can't do anything about. If you decide to do it, he's not going to just uh, uh, interfere with you. You have a free will. You need to know that. You can do whatever you please. You can go to hell if you want. You can be in hell your whole life on the planet because you're not listening to the preachers. You're not listening to the Bible. You're not listening to God. Amen. You can't live in peace if you're mad at somebody. Amen. The angels won't even work with you if you're mad at people. If you're in unforgiveness and bitter and ugly about things, I'm telling you, you just forget it. They're not going to do it. I know them. I don't know all of them, but I know a lot about them. Okay. We may talk about angels this week. We may not. I'd like to. I never get tired teaching about them. I've only taught them for 43 years. Hallelujah. But what I want to show you is that, first of all, we have to hear his voice sometimes. Not always first we can find a scripture, and then he'll say, that's what I want you to do. Follow my thinking. But he doesn't have to check with the Bible before he talks to us. And he, he knows you understand English if you speak English. If you spoke, you know, I don't know, whatever kind of languages there are in the earth, he can talk your language. He knows how to do all that. Yeah. Or make it seem like he's talking your language. Amen. You know, I've cast devils out of people in Russia. I don't speak Russian. And they every one of them obeyed me. Every one of the devils obeyed me. Do you get it? Yeah. I don't speak Russian. I don't speak Spanish. And, you know, I just don't speak. I speak English poorly sometimes, but I do my best. <laughs> I speak in tongues pretty good, but anyway. But I'm just trying to show you something here. There's something about hearing his voice that's important. And the only thing I can tell you is if you're, too, if you're always running, and what would be the word here, distractions, this is the most distracted generation I've ever seen in this planet. People are just inundated with you're inundated out the wazoo when you have kids and you let them do everything they want in school, everything they want to do in recreation. You're just a fifth going somewhere to fall apart. You're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to pray in tongues long enough to get your mind stopped from just turning. I call it the duck syndrome. You look real smooth on the outside of everybody. We don't know you're thinking all that. But on the bottom, you're just <laughs> hoping to God you're going to get to the other side of the lake. Yeah. I'm not in a duck syndrome mode. I'm just, I learned to calm myself down. Yeah. And I did it mainly by praying in tongues and prayed in tongues till I just broke, made some new headways. Yeah. You can have whatever you want, do whatever you want. If you want it bad enough, you'll be diligent to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to make you do anything. Jesus said neither, by the way, just like you know that. But if you listen to some of us that know him pretty well, you could key off of that and get a lot further going, but you're gonna to have to take some time Amen. instead of running all the day. That's what I'm saying. What am I supposed to do? I don't know, you got TV, how many hours you run in a week? How many of you have Netflix on every other night? <laughs> or maybe you're it's like 30 year old people playing uh, games on the TV. I don't get it, but you can do whatever you want. I know you got board meetings, I'm not, board games, and I'm not, compl I'm not complaining about it, <laughs> but I'm not coming that night too, just so you know. <laughs> 
not making fun of you. I'm just trying to help you. So he said, listen to my voice and then do what he says to do. Do what's right in his sight. And even if you don't have chapter and verse for doing what's right, you know in here whether you did that, whether that was right or wrong before you did it normally. Normally you would if you're intact with God, in touch with him. But this is the way they should read the latter part of this. I will allow none of these diseases upon thee, which I have let come upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. My son, my grandson, Judah, he's the middle one, uh, he watched the Prince of Egypt with me, Steven Spielberg's. It's a cartoon, but it is really well done. I really appreciate him doing that. Jurassic Park's okay too, but you know, that's fiction. But when he did uh, Prince of Egypt, it's a cartoon. Anybody see it? It's really a good little movie. And my grandson was there. I let him make all the kids watch that with me at least once in their lifetime. And he said, uh, Grandpa, what's with this death angel? Did God send a death angel? I said, honey, God doesn't have any death angels. Yeah. The angels he has are all life angels. Yeah. They're living angels. They're, they're right with him. And I said, God gave the Egyptian people, the Pharaoh who's the head of them, ten different opportunities to change his attitude yeah. and get involved with Jehovah God, the God of the Jews. Yeah. And he turned them down every time. And it just got worse and worse as it went until Moses finally said, okay, your firstborn children are all going to die tonight. And so I said it wasn't God didn't kill anybody, but they gave the mercy that God had towards them and given him an extended period of time and ten drastic miracles in his whole nation to change his mind and let him know I am the God of all gods. I'm not a fly God. I'm not a mosquito God. I'm not a river God. I'm the God of gods. I am king of kings. But he wouldn't do it. He just was hard-headed. So God had to remove his hand of mercy. God didn't do anything to him. He did it to himself. But then if you get out of God's mercy, even today in this day, we live in the light of God's word or attempt to do that the best we can. But if you get over in the darkness, there's a curse out there. The curse isn't removed from this earth yet. But we're removed from it if we walk in the light of the new covenant, walk in love with people, walk in forgiveness with people, do make good decisions because we've done what it took to get to the good place we can make a decision. Preach it really good to you. And the thing I'm really trying to get you to right now is just one scripture. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I wonder what it had been like. I didn't have this opportunity either. I don't think anybody here is going to raise your hand and tell me you did. When you first got saved, wherever you, I don't care what church you came from, or just a heathen. You're watching TV. You know, you, need, you pray with a television preacher. But I don't think he probably even said, let's receive him not only as Savior and Lord, let's receive him as healer. Anybody have that happen to you the first time you got saved? You know, the first time you made a real commitment to I didn't either. They didn't know that. Why didn't they know that? They didn't pay attention. I didn't know it either, but I found it out. It made me very irritated. Then I went to seminary. I didn't know where else to go because I didn't know the Bible that well. The pastor I had back then loved me. He was a Baptist, but he loved me. And you got to understand, I just came out of drug addiction for three years and he sees me and said, you know, I may have to cut your hair to pastor some people. I said, my hair, I don't love my hair more than Jesus. What's the matter with you? But I went to a Baptist seminary. They didn't know it either. These are the top people trained in preachers. Yeah. Oh, don't, I'm not going to take you down that road. It's not a pleasant one to think about. It really irritated me, made me mad when I found all that out from God. Just because I was hungry, not because I was so smart. 
I was hungry for God. And I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in the midst of being in a group that didn't know anything about healing, made fun of the Pentecostal people, made fun of praying in tongues, made fun of divine healing. They never even brought up deliverance. My God, they don't know that either. <laughs> you don't realize what you have when you have good pastors. They know a lot more than the average Joe <laughs> or Sister Sue or whatever her name is. You know, I don't... I don't have a problem with women being preachers. I just have a problem with people being ignorant. Yeah. I have a big problem with that when you can read a Bible. And in my day, in a big, back in the beginning, you know, nobody wanted me to use anything but the King Jimmy. They were mad at me that I went with a different translation when I was traveling. So in my earlier years, I traveled for three years. Anyway, it's not important now. So I just got a King James and shut up about it. <laughs> and looked up whatever I wanted to look up in the real Bibles that I know about and the languages. Okay, so I want us to take a minute. I'm not near done with this verse. Hang on. But we need to take Jesus at his word. He said, I am. I'm not going to be. He didn't say, I was the Lord that healeth thee, but I'm not anymore. He didn't say, I will be someday when you get to heaven. I used to really bug me. I don't know if you people even think. I think you could think, but I want to listen to I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean to you. What he was in the baptistry, when we all get to heaven, what a day, you know, they do that thing, what a day of rejoicing that will be, that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. And I used to say under my breath of the Lord, the church, you got anything for the lousy here now? He said, I sure do, you just don't know about it yet. So that made me push myself further into the Bible. I'm probably to be a good student with the Bible. I'm not real smart about much of anything. I'm not a nuclear physicist or anything. I'm just a Bible man and a Holy Ghost guy. <laughs> so, but we need to receive him as our healer. So I want you to pray this. If you could say this with me, Heavenly Father, I receive of Jesus. I receive him as my Lord, my Savior, who died for me, my healer, who was made sick for me. And I receive the healing power of God. I receive you, Jesus as my healer for the rest of my life. And I thank you. I'm not going to hold you back. I'm going to receive you as a healer of my body in Jesus' name. Amen. Start thinking like that. He's your healer too. It's all really a part of what the Bible calls redemption. Your deliverance from the devil's secure too. But if you don't know it, the devil will run over top of you. He's ruthless. You think I'm ruthless. You don't know nothing about ruthlessness unless you know the devil. Amen. And he did enough to me when I was saved and unsaved. I mean, and I, I was just out there, drug, drug addict world. I did whatever I pleased. He didn't want to know me if he didn't want to know me back then. I think, think he would have. But, you know, when I got saved, I said, Jesus, I'm going to be as radical for you as I was for the devil. Yeah. Hope you enjoy it. He said, I will if you'll be as radical as you've been. Yeah. I'll do it. That's why when people get in trouble in my church, I'm not a pastor anymore. I don't do things like that. I don't meet with people about anything, unless it's son or daughter. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. I'm not in charge. I'm not a local church pastor. Amen. I didn't. I wasn't that I didn't like people. I told them when I, when I was doing something else, and God told me to either that I'm coming to heaven early, and I said I've always loved you. If I wanted to leave you, I had a car the first day I started church. I could have drove away. Better been with you over forty some years now. So. Anyway, just talking to you. So we're receiving Jesus as our healer. 
Now that means tonight, when you before you go to bed tonight, you can thank thank you, Jesus, you're my healer. And you get up in the morning, thank you, Jesus, you're my healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put that in your confessions, not just maybe the thing you're dealing with in your life now, that that becomes a predominant thing or something to dealing with you from the other side. The devil's, you know, trying to do something to you. You need to rebuke him in Jesus' name, tell him to shut up and get out. I get very uh, vicious with him. He don't stay around me long either. I'm not that tough. I'm just smart because I know Jesus already whipped him really bad. Yes. It says it in King Jimmy, and it's like Elizabethan English. We don't talk. He spoiled principalities and powers. I mean, he beat the hell out of them. For us, now people that don't know God, they're living under a different covenant, a covenant of darkness. they got plenty of hell in their life. I'm not cussing. I'm just telling you what I know from being a preacher all these years. So you got to stay attuned to God. Let me say it this way. you got to stay current with God to prevail in this life. Amen. You can't say, well, I used to do this. Yeah, but how long has it been since you did that? <laughs> you got to be current. Now, I, when I study, I put a lot of other uh, translations in my study. So I'm still on Exodus 15, 26. I'd like to read a couple of them to you because I think it will help us. First one, he says, is, is the NEB, I, the Lord, am your healer. The Leeser translation, Isaac Lesser, Leeser, he was a Jewish guy. He, he did the scriptures of the Old Testament excellently. That was the only Bible for a long time the Jews would even open and read because he was so, so scholarly. So he says, I am the Lord, I am thy physician. The basic Bible in basic English says, I am the Lord, your life giver. The young translation says, I, Jehovah, he was a scholar too. That's where you get your youngest concordance. I, Jehovah, am healing thee. And the Godspeed translation, I think this is one of my favorites. I, the Lord, make you immune to diseases. Now, I thought I knew what immunity meant, but I went ahead and looked it up. Whenever I come across the word, ever since I've been in the ministry, I wasn't that way in high school. I didn't like going to school. Don't get a bad attitude if you're young and in school. Go to school and do good. But he says, so I looked up immunity, and it means this, marked by protection, not susceptible or responsive to things. You know, COVID may have came to a lot of people, but I wasn't going to receive it. Yeah. Now, my wife had sickness in her body, and she had cancer, and I, because she was taking chemo, the nurse talked to me one day, very kind person, now you realize, Mr. Jacobs, if you get COVID, you will not be allowed in this hospital again ever for the time your wife's here. And you're the only person that she's marked to be the caregiver to her. So I said, okay, where do I go to take a shot? Can you give me the shot? She said, are you immune? I said, well, I am, but not like you're thinking. I, don't have, I haven't had shots or anything. No, but if you get it, here's the bad thing. She's, and that was the first day my wife got chemo treatment. I'm just talking to you, and I hope you don't, I hope you appreciate it. I don't like to talk about this, but I need to tell you something. Amen. The nurse was very not mean to me. She said, now, here's the problem. If you get COVID, in her case now, when we get done with her today, after she, we give her chemotherapy, which is extremely powerful chemotherapy, she will have no defense against it. So she might not even make it back to the hospital if that would happen. And I know you wouldn't want to live with that. I said, I don't. I, I agree with you. Just come and give me the shot, what I do. So I'll come get you in a few minutes, go up front and answer some questions, and I'll come before the end of the day and shoot you in one arm when she comes back for the next chemo. I'll shoot you in the other arm. That's fine. I don't want to be any detriment to my wife. 
but I don't got nothing to prove. Yeah. I know some preachers and some men of God and women of God, they get so indignant about everything. What about the person you're trying to help get healed? See, you know, I just tried to protect my wife from something that could have, could have happened. I don't believe it would have, but, you know, believe me, if that had happened, everybody would have thought I was stupid. Same people that love me now, they would have said, well, you're just stupid. I make my own decisions. I, you know what I mean? I'm just talking to you. Anyway, so. Okay, we'll get back on this verse here. So it said, I, the Lord, make you immune to diseases marked by protection when you have a good immune system, not susceptible or responsive to things, have a high degree of, of a resistance to. That's what it means to have a strong immune system. Yeah. I went to one of these people to take my blood and send it to lab, and then they bring all the results back, and they had a three-ring notebook about that thick. And the lady went to it page by page with me. She said... Michael Jacobs, you have a, 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 a killer immune system. I said, that's good, right? She said, yeah, that's real good. I said, well, good. I like to know that. I got a killer immune system. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, so this is what happens. This verse here has all those other translations in it by different men of God that translated the Bible. And I think it's good to remember things that help you, like God's going to make you immune to sickness and disease. Now, listen. If you can't believe for that and you're in a situation where there's a rampant thing going, I don't know if it's really as real as they said it was. I don't want to argue with you after the meeting, so don't catch me in the hallway and try to straighten me out, would you? Please, don't do that to me. I'm trying to be a nice person, but I might fire back on you. I don't think it's really what it was. I don't think it was what they said it was, what the doctor said it was, what the president said, whoever. There's a lot of money to be made in sickness. And not all doctors are bad. A lot of them are good. They're doing their best to help people. I appreciate that. But they're not God, and they, sometimes they just better. Brother Hagin said it best this way. Since I'm teaching on healing, I'll give you something that Brother Hagin said. I didn't say it. I could act like I said it, and then I'd really be thrilled. He said some people died because they went to the doctor, and some people died because they didn't. Your, your, your attitude is to be hear the voice of God and then do what God tells you. I gave a story to my mother-in-law this morning. You know, I, she's 80-some years old. I think I was, I don't know, maybe in my 60s then. I don't know how long ago she went. But anyway, I gave her the best advice I could, but she chose poorly. Yeah. Remember that in one of the Indiana Jones movies? Okay. <laughs> I'll throw that in and see if anybody's paying attention. <laughs> anyway, praise God. So he's the Lord that heals us. We need to realize that. And we need to hear his voice about things, and we need to keep his commandments so that we can hear him clearly. You know, if you get too cluttered up because of sin or distractions, you can't just run to God. You can run to God and say, well, Lord, I'm going to put a king's X on that. And No, you're not. You're going to have to learn to get more current with him, with God day by day. What, what better thing you got to do than to live? Well, I'm trying to help you. We have all these toys we play with anymore. You know, I love it and I hate it all at the same time. I'm not real technical. I don't like technical stuff. Don't even come talk to me. If you want to be a nuclear physicist, be that and help me that way. But don't come talk to me about it. I don't want to know about it right now. I don't even know how an airplane flies, but I get in them all the time and fly in them. I have done that for almost 40-some years. So. so the Lord is the Lord who heals us. 
Now let's go, let's go back to Isaiah 53 in the Old Testament, still in the Hebrew. You know, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the New Testament is written in Greek or Aramaic. I'm not here to pick bones with you. It's just in a different language than English. I had to take Greek in seminaries, eight tenses in that language. There's only three in ours, past, present, and future. <laughs> the Greeks had eight different tenses. And uh, it, it's for a reason. But anyway, let's just get a hold of, of Isaiah 53 right here. Let me read you some of the... Let me read from the King James Bible first. Let me see here. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and that word means sickness and disease, and carried our sorrows, and that word means pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded, talking about Jesus, being wounded for our transgressions, things we did against the word when we didn't know any better. He was bruised, or we could even put made sick for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So let me just read you some other translations of these verses here real quickly here. Uh, grief means sickness in the, in the English. The word grief is used, but it's really the word for sickness. And the word sorrows, the Hebrew word is pain. So Isaac Lester said, but only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried. And I'd like you to think about that. When you think about sickness and disease, you need to think of it in terms of something Jesus took away from you. Amen. If the doctor says you have it, I'm not saying he's lying. If the blood work and everything throws out you have it, you need to start saying, Father, I believe in your word. Jesus, you took my sicknesses and diseases, my pains, my weaknesses, and you took it away from me. I'm believing for complete freedom from it. And then you'll have to pray and seek God. You know, he may, there may be something the doctors could do to really help you. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're experimenting with everybody. But I just know that people are not stupid in some areas, and they're very intelligent, but money plays a big part in everything people do that aren't always right with God. I'm just, I just know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to argue with you. If you think that isn't true, I feel sorry that you're that backward. Big Pharma, I used to be a drug dealer. My God, the Big Pharma, they have billions and billions and billions. How about the porn people? Billions and billions and billions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of it's about the money. If you're right, it's about God and what he says about it. He'll give you money. Yeah. Money's just a tool. I don't worship it. I worship God. He takes care of me. Yeah. I've been a giver for over 50 years, and I stepped it up every few years. I went from a tither to tithing and offering giver, and now I went to into what it says in Romans 12 there about being a distributor. I'm not going to tell you how much money we give to things. That's none of your business. But anyway, I love you, but it's just private. Because the Lord said, quit telling them because it makes them feel weird. Anyway, I'm just talking. And I have an investment corporation. I invest in preachers. My wife and I invest in preachers and their churches. And that's... All we do with this investment corporate, well, it's not an investment to make money, it's an investment to help preachers get their buildings up or buy their land or whatever. Amen. Just talking to you, I'm not, I'm not bragging about it at all. I saw it in the Word that I could be that, and so I just said, I was at home by myself studying it. I said, Mother, if you can trust me, I'd like to be one of those people. Amen. It took me about seven years to get where I'm at now, maybe eight or ten but we're doing some big things now. We're able to do bigger things than we used to do because we have more to, more to give. Amen. Yeah. 
But we don't put ourselves first. We put that particular ministry first, my wife and I. And it's only the preachers. I give a lot of people offerings even when I eat dinner. Some of it I have to give just an offering because they weren't that great of a waitress. But I just was, in, was informed by the Lord, give her $50, give him $100, give her 100 whatever. And I just do that when God tells me to do it. I'm not bragging about it. If I didn't have it, I couldn't give it. But some people have it and they never give it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And my tithe is always first. Anything that I have money involved in, I have a tithe account that comes with that. That automatically goes to the church. All right. Let me read you something more here. This helping you? The Rotherham translation says, Yet surely our sicknesses he carried, and as far as our pains he bared the burden of them. The Byington Bible says, But in fact it was our sickness that he was carrying and our pains he was loaded with. And then the lesser says, Through his bruises was healing granted us. The Byington translation says, The chastisement to give us soundness, oh my, came on him, and by his stripes we got healing. The blows that fell to him, Moffat says, the blows that fell to him have brought us healing. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Amen. Young's translation says, by his bruise there's healing to us. So now I want to talk to you, I want to switch gears with you. We've established that Jesus has already done that, but I'm going to talk to you. I have four things written down that happens with people that causes them not to receive. I think this is important to say, don't open that door. And the first one is in Isaiah. Uh, go with me, please. Isaiah chapter 5. And I'm talking about these are things that, that are not smart to think like this. And what I'm putting in here is error, error, because people receive wrong doctrines. They receive wrong doctrines. And then when you try to tell them the truth, you know they're already established in the falsehood. Yeah. You know, Jesus put something on you to teach you. I don't know where people get that. I mean, they get it from their parents and the preachers that don't know anything. I realize people are sick, and if you've ever been in a hospital with, like, with children's hospital, which I have, went there to pray for people and pray for their children, and sometimes I could turn it and sometimes I couldn't, and I haven't got time to tell you all the reasons we couldn't turn everything. But I'm going to give you four things here that causes people to not be able to receive what we're plainly teaching and it's plainly revealed in Scripture. If you didn't have to, you wouldn't have to go through seminary like I did. You could just have a concordance and look up an individual word, and then we give you a clue what he's trying to say. So here it is in Isaiah 5, verse 13, and uh, first part of verse 14. Therefore, my people, so this was covenant-minded people in the Old Testament, not in our covenant. We're in a better covenant with better promises, better blood, better, better high priest, which is Jesus, and all that. But it says, therefore, my people are gone into captivity. And we're talking here about sickness and disease primarily. Or in this case, I want to add this to you because I've never seen it on this level, mental problems in America and around the world. I forget how many billions of dollars America alone spends for antidepressant drugs in our country alone. It's phenomenal. Not in a good way. I know what it's like to be depressed, but I'm not depressed anymore. I got delivered from all that. Amen. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. N-O, no knowledge. They don't have any knowledge of this. And their honorable men, that would be the preachers, are famished because they've been taught wrong too, usually from the seminaries they went to. And their multitude cry out, cry out with thirst. 
Therefore, hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth. So what it's telling us, we don't have knowledge, then hell begins to try to work against us as fast as it can and as strong as it could because we're ignorant of the truth of the knowledge of how to get out of that. Are you listening to me? I may not be able to answer all your questions, but if you take this out far enough, it would answer every question for you. Reason people died, they don't have the right knowledge. I don't care if you know the Bible and going to heaven. You might get to heaven for the rest of us if you don't understand this. That's what I'm not mad at you. I'm just talking to you. Is that Olivia back there? I thought that was you. You look like Olivia. You've been in several of my meetings lately. Yeah, I appreciate that. She came to Nashville to Henry. She's up here, right? She's one of our staff people. She works for us, for me and my brother, my son, Jordan. Verse 20 is the key right here, why this is so messed up. Woe unto them that call evil good. Listen to me here clearly. Don't ever be on the side of a woe. When God says woe unto you, you better not be the one he's saying woe to. I mean, this is tremendous things coming on your head if you don't get it straight. Woe unto them that call evil good. The Bible tells us strictly in Deuteronomy 7, you can check me out later, 715, that disease is evil. I'm not saying if you're sick, you're evil. That's not what I'm preaching. Uh, But sickness and disease comes from the evil one. It doesn't come from God. He doesn't have any disease. How are we to get disease? (laughs) Why would I even want to go to heaven if you're sick up there? I'm not sick down here either. I mean, I have had things come against me before, and I either go to the doctor or I pray or I just pray and get it to turn myself. But either way, I'm going to get some help. And it don't bother me at all to have to go to the doctor if I need to. I'm not so proud. I got, you know, know, and if you you do that your whole life, I know Brother Hagin kind of did it. (laughs) 70 years. I haven't had a headache 70 years, he said one time. He had a headache coming out of the parking lot one day. He said, you stop that. Get out of me. And he said the devil left him. But he said you have to be, be knowing what healing really means to you and be established in it to make a comment, one comment, and the devil yeah. leaves you. Yeah. A lot of times people never even lift their voice against the devil unless it's their kids yeah. get sick and then they're all screaming in tongues going to the emergency room. I don't know what that does. Western vocabulary, maybe. I don't know. I'd pray too somebody. But see, that's not the right way to be. The devil's just running your life. Woe unto them to call evil good and good evil. You know, you think people, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I've been in the body of Christ a long time. I've never seen the fangs come out as much in my life personally against me as I did when I began to have a little money. Never. They didn't like me because they spoke in tongues first. Even the, the church I grew up in. Then they didn't like me because I prayed healing for people. But by God, when I got a few dollars in my pocket, they all hated me. They don't believe in prosperity. <laughs> Are you rich? Yeah, according to the word, I'm rich. I stay with the word. I don't know who you're staying with, the bank or whatever. But <laughs> I call myself rich because Jesus became poor, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that we might be made rich or have a full supply. And if I have a full supply, that means all the needs that I have are met in him. And I've already told you I put God first in my giving, not just a tithe, but an offering and other things like that. I've helped missionaries get cars all over the world, and several of my sons. I'm just talking to you here. I'm not bragging about anything, but I just made myself expand, 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 expand. I'm still expanding. Because I believe and teach, I told you this morning, 
Psalm 78, 41, I don't limit him. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. I'm no special anything to God. I'm just his man, and I've committed to serving, and I do my best to do that. And if I miss it, I'm quick to go to run to him and say, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. I plead the blood. I repent. All right. But do two things I tell people if you want to live a long time. Be quick to forgive people that mess you over. And if you're not, you're going to die young because you're going to be in strife. You can't live in faith and be a hater of people. Amen. You know, some people, you do your best to love them and all kinds of stuff. I could give you examples. You know I could give you examples. I have to give it. I'm not going to. Uh, but I just know how I live and what I've done. People get mad at me and just call me all kinds of bad names and tell me to lie to me. Well, you didn't love us. I said, that's not what you told me. Well, it took the gun away from me, and you were going to blow your brains out and shoot your wife, too. What about that? That was me at your house, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but I said, well, then how come you tell me I don't love you? You're crazy. I'm not going to listen to your lies even about me. Good night. All right. You think I'm radical? I'm just radical for Jesus. I've already forgave that person before he ever said that about me. I made a determination about 15, 20 years ago. I'm not going to live in unforgiveness. I don't care what people do to me. Amen. Ever had people do Anybody that's doing anything for God is going to have other people that don't like it. And they're jealous and they're mean about it. And they're ugly and they're vicious, some of them. And stuff they spread gossip. I don't get on the Internet and find out if people like me or don't like me. I, I don't care either way. I'd like everybody to like me. I'm just not that naive anymore. To know that some people I rub the wrong way. Yeah. Not trying to do it. Just it happens that way. So don't be on the end of a woe that calls evil good. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's like saying, you know, you're blaming God for something the devil did. Now think about how that sounds to Jesus. That's like getting on a stepladder and getting up to the cross and slapping him across the head and say, you didn't heal me. Think about that a minute before you start trying to straighten me out on this. I'm reading the Bible to you. I'm not making this up myself. And you call good evil. How Jesus, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Honey, that settles a lot of straight questions about healing and non-healing. Healing is good and Jesus did it and he did it all the time. He healed everybody that would receive his healing. Because they were entrapped by the devil. They were oppressed either in their mind or their body. All right. So I, that, I just want to get, I'm going to just stop right there on that one. I've got three more things to cover if you'll give me a few more minutes. This is a problem because if you've been run up in a church your whole life that God is your problem, and I tell you he doesn't have a problem to give you, you may be challenged with his way to go for your life because you're stubborn. Amen. Or you have to crucify your flesh. Or I have crucified my flesh. That's never fun normally. My flesh, my flesh wants to scream out, ah! How many are listening? But if you do that, you end up in a different realm with him, a stronger realm, a more developed realm with God, and you'll be feeding on the right things. But I don't call things good that are evil, and I don't call things that are evil good. You know what I'm saying here. And it says, or you say, they, uh, they put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, there's just a lot of things we could say, but 
I'm not going to go against what God's teaching me here because he said, remember verse 13, therefore my people. He's not talking about heathens. Like the Egyptians, they had a God for everything, kind of like the Hindus do today. And all the other false religions of the world. All right. My people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. And normally knowledge should come from the head of the local church, which would be the pastor. And, and, and I know they know that, and they do a good job here teaching you if you just listen and stay with it. Yes, amen. But when you start calling things that are evil, that, that's God. That's a very serious problem. You, God says, woe to you. Amen. And don't mean, he, he means stop it, but he means more than that. Yes, All right. So that's one area that becomes very difficult. You know, a person's been trained a certain way. It's just hard to get people out of that. I don't remember the, the exact number. They say if you've been taught wrong, it takes um, 21 times or something saying it right before people ever get an acknowledgement that it might be right and they, what they were thinking was wrong. It's hard to deal with yourself because you're proudful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But some people just know more than us in a given area and it'd be smart for us to listen to them Amen. if they could prove it. Amen. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So when you've been taught wrong to begin with, it's hard to come in and try to teach people. I went to see this lady. I didn't know her. Somebody knew somebody knew somebody knew somebody knew somebody. How many know what I'm saying when I say that? You, yeah, my second cousin's married to my uncle and that side, that side of the family, and she's got three kids. She's in the hospital. Would you go visit her? She said, you want me to come? I don't know. I just asked you if you'll go. Well, I went to see this lady, and she had a trachea. I went in the room. I said, I can't pray for you. I'm from Community Tabernacle down the street here. I'm a pastor there, and I'd like to pray for your healing. She said, uh, what about Job and Paul's thorn? I said, you got a minute. I'll talk to you about it. She said, no, I don't. You can get the blankety-blank out of my room right now. Do you understand me? I said, I understand you don't like me, so I'm going to leave you. I'm going to have to leave you like I found you. You won't even let me talk to you. So the answer that I could give you about Job and Paul's thorn, if you give me a few minutes. See, she'd already been taught somewhere in some church. That Job had to deal with stuff that God put on him when God didn't put that on him. Do you ever realize when he repented for his goofy way of thinking and the goofy friends he had? That's what some of us had, goofy friends that just said anything mom and dad told them without checking the Bible. Anything a preacher said to behind a pulpit of any kind, they believe it. Well, you need to check your Bible. I Check me out. I encourage you to check me out. But And so I just went away defeated. I... I cried all the way out to the car, and I got in my car and said, Lord, I'm disturbed about this lady. I really came in a good spirit to try to help her. And you saw the way she treated me. Yeah, she don't like you, that's for sure. <laughs> I said, is there anything I can do to change it? He said, you can right now if you'll just pray. First of all, I want to correct you. Don't stay in the room when they're giving you the finger and cussing you out anymore like that. You just walk away. If they're that ignorant, you just let them be ignorant. But somebody, she'll receive somebody into her life. You don't know who that is, but I want you to pray to me. Matthew 9, you can check me out. Matthew 9, uh, oh, let me think. <laughs> About verse 40-something. Pray the Lord to the harvest. He'll send forth labors into his harvest. As evidence, she didn't like me. I told the Lord that, and he said, that's for sure. And he, I said, okay, I'm going to pray for God to raise up somebody that she would receive from. And I had a guy in my church who was a respiratory therapist, and she had a problem. She had a trachea at the time. She had to stick her finger in the hole to talk to me. And 
she had some lung issues. He would come in and treat her, and I prayed for God to raise up somebody. I didn't know it was going to be him. His name was Bob Willie. He would treat her, and then he talked to her about Jesus. He went to my church, but he didn't tell her I was his pastor. And he led her to the Lord and got her healed. She liked him. He was just kinder than me, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just the devil used her to give me the finger and cuss me out. I don't know. She didn't do a very good job. I've been cussed out by the best of them. She was poor at cussing me out. Yeah, she was about a two on the scale, one to ten. I've had some be a twelve that only went to ten. But we won't talk about them. I got to hurry up here. Mark seven. Let's go to number two problem with helping people. Not helping people, but getting them over the hump. And it's Mark seven. And uh, let me find that reference. Mark seven, verse nine. And verse 13, Mark 7, and verse 9, and verse 13. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, verse 9 says, And he said unto them, Jesus speaking here, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. See, that's what that lady did. Some preacher told her, and maybe her parents endorsed it. I don't know, I'm not criticizing the lady. I'm just saying somebody told her that God wasn't a healer. And they used Job and Paul's thorn as objections to the healing ministry of Jesus. Which if you study it out, you'd see what I'm saying. I have hour tapes on that. You can get on the internet at my website and you can download any of my teachings. I got a whole hour on Job, a whole hour on Paul's thorn to tell you what it really says in the real language and explain it. And then verse 13, you make the word of God of no effect through your traditions. I heard John Avanzini get up and stand up and preach. I was in a big coliseum. It was a Brother Copeland meeting, but John Avanzini was there to preach a couple of sermons. And he got up and said, there's something more powerful than the Word of God. And I wanted to scream out, you heretics, sit down! <laughs> and he tur said, turn to Mark 7, verse 13. You make the Word of God of no effect through your tradition. Not God's tradition, your tradition. You make the Word of God where it won't work for you because of the traditions you think. That's another reason it causes people not to be able to receive. They have all this tradition in them. Yeah. And the older you get, the more you think about it, the more you get established in it. Yeah. And it's hard for a person that's an adult to say, you know, I've been wrong my whole life about yeah. this, but I'm big enough to say, I'm sorry, Father, help me to understand this. Most people would rather just die anyway yeah. than admit they were wrong. Yeah. This serious thing with God, I'm telling you, when we get all uppity up about what we think and we're just hung up with traditions, it's easy to do when you have parents and have a preacher and you respect people like that. Normally you would, but that doesn't mean they know everything yet. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like a little appreciation. So sometimes people have their traditions that override the actual word of God and because of that it makes the word not work in that area. Amen. All right. And so number one was error or wrong doctrines. And number two was traditions. Number three is not rightly dividing the word of God. So let's go to 2 Timothy. I'm going to do two scriptures on this one because it's important. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, verse 15. I'm going to give you a moment to find that. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse, uh, let me see here. Verse 15, I'll give you a few minutes to find that. Second uh, Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, 
a workman, so it's going to be work for you to do this a little bit, that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this is the way I look at it. If I rightly divide it, it'll bring light to people. It'll bring energy to people. It'll bring health to people. But if I wrongly divide it, it doesn't bring that at all. It brings doubts about God, who he is, and what he'll do or won't do. It brings doubt to people about him being a healer. And some people, and I'm going to show you another scripture that really <laughs> goes along with this, even more potent. But we have to study to show ourselves approved. And you know, I don't know how long it took me to write all this down for you. Amen. Probably 35 years ago, before I've done several since then. This is my notes now. It looks pretty full. I am a doctor, aren't I? Can you read that? You can't even read it. I'm a colorful doctor, too. Mm-hmm. Let me show you even one. So there's a right way to divide the word, but there's a wrong way to divide the word that doesn't bring light. It brings condemnation to people and cuts God out of being a healer to them. Okay. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. This, I, this came as a... I, did, I mean, I'd read it before, but hadn't thought about it in the light I'm going to share with you. 2 Peter chapter 3. And it's Peter's writing, but he's talking a little bit about Paul here, the Apostle Paul. And this is the Apostle Peter. Uh, let me think here. Let me start it in verse um, 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, or deliverance, or freedom, or healing, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath, hath him written to you, as also in all his epistles. The epistles are the letters like Ephesians, Colossians, uh, you know, James, Hebrews, all that. It says, speaking in them of these things in which are some things, now read this with me, some things that are hard to be understood. They didn't say it was impossible. It just says some things are harder to understand than other things. Some things are hard to understand, which they that are unlearned, well, I'm not unlearned, are you? No, you're in a good church. Amen. You're here to learn something. I'm trying to help you learn. You might, I probably already know because Pastor Mark and Don are great teachers. Amen. But people that are unlearned and unstable wrestle as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. And I'm pointing this out to you again like I did today, Psalm 107, verse 20. Didn't say anything about the devil. People just that are unlearned and won't be taught and unstable, they wrestle the scriptures to their own destruction. You can wrestle the Bible till it destroys you if you don't rightly divide things. Think about that. That is just a that's a profound thought. Yeah. And whenever, don't mention the devil, I always tell people that it didn't, he didn't even come up right there. It does say something about him in Peter's account, you know, 1 Peter 5. But right here, it's not. It just says they wrestle scriptures to their own destruction. So this is pretty serious. And you can learn anything God tells you to learn. You can learn it. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> Lord talked to me one time about writing my book on angels. I, I didn't write it for 20 years. Then Dr. Dufresne got into my life and he asked me some questions at lunch one day about angels. you know something about angels? I said, yeah, does anybody tell you that? No, I just thought you might know. I said, well, I know a little bit. What do you want? What do you think? You got any notes on it? I said, well, yeah, I got a big pile of notes. He said, can I have them? I said, well, you don't even know what I believe yet. He said, would you mind sending them to me? I'll, I'll tell Donna to make you a copy and send it out by the end of the week. There's probably 100 pages or more. I don't know, maybe. When I sent the book off and sent, they sent the manuscript back, 517 pages, I didn't give him the whole thing because I hadn't done it yet. See, I'm still in disobedience. 
And he said, Michael, I read your material. I think it's excellent. You need to put, a, put it in a book and you need to get it to the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs your book. So I went to the Lord and I was complaining like many of you do when he asks you to do something that's hard and it's not easy. And you didn't do it for 20 years. I'm glad it wasn't a life or death thing or I wouldn't have been here. And he wouldn't have killed me, but he, he, maybe I've walked in such disobedience. Listen to me, I'm going to show you something. You don't have to be drinking, shooting, don't run around with women or men if you're a lady to go to get talking out. You just got to be disobedient and an evil spirit will be sent against you. Proverbs 17, 11 says that. So just so you know, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to do that. I, I, it's too hard for me. I said that to the Lord. I, I haven't done it yet. And he said, I know, and you're in, you're in serious trouble. I said, oh. Well, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to learn. He just said, learn. Yeah. I said, can we talk about it? So I just told you what to do, learn. So just learn, Michael. And so I had to leave God to raise up some people, like Olivia's father who works for me, Sean Gehring. He was the first one that had some insight on how to help me get this book out. Amen. Now I've written 10 or 12 books. Got a lot more in me. But I'm not bragging on me. God said, learn. That meant I had to learn it. Never found anybody that wrote a book. I've read plenty of people said, I'm going to write a book someday, and I buried them 15 years ago. They never wrote it. I don't tell people to write books unless it's really unique. If one of my sons, all right, here's one of them, he shared something with me at the airport one time. We were coming back from being in Mexico or something about praying in tongues. I said, my God, I've been praying in tongues 25 years. I never heard that on the issue the way he put it. You need to put, make, put that in a book, Pastor Mark. And he did, and I bought copies and take them all around the world with me now. I pay for his, and then I resell them. Are you listening? But you have to learn something. It's not easy. You have to figure all that out, how you do it legally so you don't get in trouble with the federal government. And if you're not real smart, it'd be advantageous to find somebody smarter than you to help you write it. But don't make them be not you. They're going to have to know you enough to write it like you would have wrote it. Anyway. So we're down on the last one now. We've done error, which is wrong doctrine, traditions, not rightly dividing the word. If you, like I saw that in a, I had some eye surgery a while back, and they, I saw a special on lasers on TV, and they told about people that had eye surgery with lasers. You got a laser shooting into your eyeball. They strapped my head to a board not to torture me to make sure that I didn't jump or move my head sharply when they got a laser in my eye to take out cataracts and help me do what they were supposed to do. But I saw them take a laser and cut a Sherman tank in two, too, in the documentary. So this is what I'm saying. If you know what they're doing, I let them do it. They strapped my head to a board, and then they came in and said, if you have to cough or any kind of body thing that you're going to jump or flinch, you need to say stop. They didn't put me out, they just put me in a little different mode. I wasn't asleep though. They don't want you to sleep when they got a laser sticking in your eye. You know, if they put too much power, it goes through your brain, then you're gone. Amen. But if you have somebody who knows what they're doing, the right amount of power, they did what they could have done, it helped me. I can see perfect. In fact, I read 2015, the day after surgery on both eyes. They call me the bionic eye guy down there. Hallelujah. You don't worry, 2020 is perfect. <laughs> I was reading 2015, and the, and the doctor came in, not the one that did the surgery, his daughter who works there too, she's an eye doctor. How did you do this? How did you do what? How did you, how did you read 2015 after surgery? I don't know, you just did the surgery, your dad did it. 
I said, I had a father too, and he took care of me. He said, nobody reached 2015 today have surgery because your eye is swollen from all the stuff we did to it. It gets to 2020, it might start out 2040, 2060, it comes back in line. But you're starting out the day after surgery, 2015, that's unheard of. What do you attribute that to? Her dad's the surgeon. I said, your dad and my heavenly father. Amen. Then I went in the next week, they did the other eye, same thing, 2015. I said, you're the guy with the bionic eyes, aren't you? <laughs> Rightly using equipment like that, you better know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm just talking to you here. I just do that then for French, just whatever. Yeah, I think I was afraid of them putting a needle in my eye, and they did put a needle in my eye. I never felt it. I had a fear it was unjustifiable. Just thought you'd like to know that. Something you hold up on doing things, too, that God told you to do. And I asked, well, let me say this further, because I, I said to God, hey, I want to know what's wrong. You're obligated to talk to me about it. Because you're my heavenly father. I thought I was believing you for five years so they get rid of the cataracts and they've gotten worse. And now I'm going to have to have surgery. He said, Michael, I'm going to tell you why you couldn't get it with your faith. You had too much on your faith. You remember Brother Hagen and the story about the curtains? Brother Hagen was married with a wife and he got in a brand new house and his wife, what was her name, Evelyn? Aretha. Huh? And said, honey, you gotta, you gotta have to believe God for this curtain. Said, honey, if I put my faith on it, the curtain rods and all are coming down. Because I'm stretched as far as I can go. I'm, I was demand, I was not being mean to part of it to Jesus, but I said, you need to talk to me about this. I thought I was believing you. You're believing for your staff to be paid. You're believing for the church to be built. You're believing for your airplane now. You have a pilot you pay every day. And on and on he went. He said, you loaded your faith up so strong, you didn't have anything left to give it. Just find a good surgeon, I'll help you pay for it. I said, sounds great to me. Amen. 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 End of the story, ta-da. <laughs> Listen, there's always a way to get with God and figure these things out. When he explained it to me, I felt, I felt justified. He said, because Brother Hagin couldn't add more on his faith than he had. He'd stretched it to the max, and that's where you've been for five years with the airplane and the church and the salaries and... I hate to mention this, I'm going to be sweet about my insurance for my staff. Oh my, I don't let that go. Amen. And some of you may be okay people and sell insurance. I don't know about you yet, but anyway. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sit because I'm not going to fool with it. Okay, the last part, number four, is this. You make an experience, you base your faith on an experience you had, a past experience, but you, you never base what you believe on experience, but you base it on the Word of God. See? See, because I couldn't understand why when I was using my faith, I thought I was using my faith for my eyes, and the Lord said, you had too much on your faith, Michael. It's just simple. You're not, you're not evil. You, just, you didn't have any, enough faith to put that over yet to fix your eyes. You had all this stuff, and it involved a lot of other people besides you. So you could pay them. So you could be a pastor, what I told you to be, but you could have an airplane too. I helped you with that, da-da-da, but you had to pay for it. Yeah, so, see, so then let, let me go to something here that will help us a great deal. Romans 3, verse 3 and 4. Let's turn over there, Romans 3. I'm just about done. I could go another hour, but I'm not going to torture you. What time we get here? 6 at 7.30. I don't know what time I got up, but I try to cut back on my teaching. Maybe it don't seem like it to you, but... I don't know what you're thinking for sure. I'm going to get him pat me again if you don't give me some response. 
I'm doing my best up here. Mm -hmm. Where am I at? Romans 3. Let me read verse 3 and 4 here about what I just said. You don't base your faith on an experience. You base your faith on the Word of God. You know, somebody will say, well, I knew somebody that believed like you, and they died. Well, I said, I didn't die. You're basing what you're thinking because they died. That you don't, do you know, who do you, what makes you think you know that person? Here's a good little thought I'm going to give you. Well, he's my husband, she's my wife. You don't even know him. What are you talking about? Sometimes you can know your wife real good and your husband. Sometimes you don't know him at all. You just wait till a crisis happens. We'll see what your husband or wife do. I'm not saying that's a, I'm just saying what I know. I've lived through it all, all my life now. Not with me and my wife, but people I knew were couples and one of them flaked out or the other one did, but it ruined their marriage. All right. You never base what you believe on somebody else's experience. If you're smart, you have your own experiences with God. And like me, you're smarter. You would say, well, Father, why come I didn't get it? I thought I was believing God. He'll give you the answer. It may not be flattering. He just said, Michael, you had too much on your faith. I said, well, explain that to me. He said, well, you never owned an airplane before. You've never been a pastor before at this level where you're at now. And you got a bigger staff now. You got to pay their salaries. You got to pay for insurance. You got to pay for, you know, when you build a building, you're a priest. You got to pay for everything. Yes, amen. Amen. And if there's people get mad and leave your church, you still got to pay for everything. Yeah. <laughs> it don't seem fair to me, but it, it just is that way. I love all of you. I'm not mad at anybody. Amen. If I offend you, just take the offense and straighten it out. Amen. But I'm not try I'm trying, not hunting you, yeah. trying to get you. Okay, so I'm going to read the scripture goes with this. What about not basing it for, for verse 3? For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? I've had a lot of people in my church, and this is what they said to me. Their pastor, this isn't the people I pastor now. I don't pastor anybody now. But my sons and daughters kind of help them get through life and do my best to help them if I can. I don't know everything. I know something. I haven't lived with not paying attention. I can tell you that. I saw the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> I labeled it all. Uh, what was I saying before I said that? Oh, yeah, and some people say, you know, I tried that, but I didn't get it. I said, well, then I'm not going to let your experience mess me up. It says, uh, well, said some, what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Of course not. If you have faith in God, God will do exactly what he said he'd do for you. That's what I'm trying to show you. But he says, but God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, this is what I want to say. When I was young, my kids were younger, they said, you just wait till you have teenagers and you'll see what we're saying. I said, you're telling me as your pastor, that you're warning me that my children are going to be a problem? Is that what you're trying to say, sir? I don't know what I'm saying. Well, figure it out and tell me right now what you mean by that. You challenge him just like, I challenged him just like that. <laughs> Talk smart like to the pastor. What's that supposed to mean? How about Proverbs 22, 4? Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. How about that, brother? No, he's already learned that his children are failing, and he's going to try to convince me because of his mischief and unbelief and doubt that I'm going to be like that. I said, you stick around long enough, I'll show you what I mean. I didn't just have babies, I raised them. Yeah, I just raised them. My wife did too. She's as strong as I am, maybe stronger. She told Jordan one time, she didn't know he wasn't tithing. She said, if you're not tithing, sleep in the truck in the garage. You're not coming in my house. 
Would a wife, would a mother say that to her son? She sure did. I was there. He slept in the house because he was tithing. But something was said, and there was a little risk there going. He said, "If you're going to tithe, you're not coming in my, my, me and dad's house. You just sleep in the garage or something." And she meant it. All right. God, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your sayings and might overcome when you're judged. So that's telling me not to put everything on the line, so to speak, and try to challenge people. Let's go to Isaiah 41. I've got something new I'm going to minister in just a minute to you. Not new to me, but I want to talk to you about something. Yeah, Isaiah 41. Let me read a couple more of these cards to you. <laughs> this is a lady named Rochelle. And she says to me, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And this lady's a nurse practitioner. She's practically a doctor. Not, she's not a full-fledged doctor, but she knows a lot. And she works in the health industry. I was diagnosed with breast cancer March 2010. I was very upset before they took me to surgery to operate on me, only to remove a small section for diagnostic purposes. My brother Luke, this is Pastor Luke Hobbs. Some of you know him? Mm-hmm. It's his sister brought me a prayer cloth that Dr. Jacobs had anointed for me to relieve, to receive healing. I placed it on the side of my cancer. I instructed the nurse not to remove it for any reason. They left it there the entire time. Two weeks later, I had a nuclear study. I would say that's kind of in, in, intense, I would think. That revealed no cancer. To God be the glory, hallelujah. I was thrilled I had no radiation, no chemotherapy, no mastectomy, just the miraculous power of God. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I've been plagued with my, this is another lady now. I've been plagued with migraine headaches and cluster headaches for about three years, oftentimes twice daily, de debilitating. This horribly interfered with my life as a reserve police officer, volunteer fireman, a wife, and a mother. Lady's busy, isn't she? I was depressed from it and then some. Dr. Jacobs came to Church on the Rock in Georgetown, Texas, and on the last night of the meeting, he called for people who had migraine, that were migraine sufferers, and I went up there and Dr. Jacobs laid hands on my head praying. The next morning I woke up with the worst headache, listen, and I smiled. I knew Satan had been defeated and I stood on that. It has, he said, it has been almost six months and I've not suffered those headaches since. It was like a come against what you said you believed. That's what the devil will do and talk you out of the whole thing. This is another lady. I want to read her. I was in a service in 2015 at Church on the Rock, and Dr. Jacobs was the guest minister. Uh, at the end of the message, he prayed for people and said, by the Spirit, someone here, you have had dreams, but these dreams have troubled you and tormented you. And I'd like you to come up here. I knew it was for me, so I went up and Dr. Jacobs laid his hands on my head and commanded that to leave me and come out immediately. It was like all the pressure on my head left and it's still gone. I've been ever, I don't even think about those dreams anymore. I'm telling you something here. And it's when that even tries to come it, get, it gets knocked somewhere. For the deliverance and help the, that I've gotten so many times by Dr. Jacobs, hearing and obeying with the Spirit of God and flowing in the gifts. 
Praise the Lord. And I wrote this down today. I was thinking about some of you, about your minds. That's why I asked you. I didn't have this written on the bottom of this until I read it today. Um, Isaiah 41, verse 10 and following. I'm going to read something. Then I'm going to give you a chance to respond if that's you. It says here, uh, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. You with me? I mean, are you seeing what I'm saying? Verse 10, Isaiah 41, 10. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged or dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all that were incensed against you shall be ashamed and confounded, and they shall be as nothing. See, she said, now I don't even think about those dreams at all. And they shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shall not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that warred against thee, shall be as a nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord, their God, will hold your right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help you. So I just thought I'd give you that as an invitation right now. Uh, I was going to share one more thing, and I think you could let me share it, and I can still pray for you if you'd allow me to do it. I got a letter from a lady at uh, London, or England, I should say. I don't know if it was London. And she said to me, my daughter is seven years old. She started to go through puberty, and her chest began to grow. Can you help me? Well, I'm not in England. I'm here in Indiana. I'm all over the world, but not there now. And I asked Donna to get me five handkerchiefs, and I prayed over them thoroughly in front of Donna, and some, maybe somebody else was sitting there too, I don't remember. I sent them to her, and she said, I pinned that to my, my seven-year-old's nightgown, and when she woke up, her chest had went back in, and she was totally reversed the thing. You know, seven-year-old girls don't go through puberty. So something dramatic was off there. I don't know what it was, but I thought it was interesting. Never had that happen before. Mm -hmm. So, if you feel like that there's something, well, stand up with me, please. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.